called the James Mitsubishi Exit 31 podcast. It's available on ESPNSyracuse.com and ESPNUR.com, plus iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts. Tune in and SoundCloud or find it at Exit 31 ESPN on Facebook and Twitter. This is Exit 31 with Rain and Spencer on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Man, I'm disappointed. I was trying to find some Christmas music because we've we've got to do this before we get started with anything else. X31 ESPN Radio QSportsTalk.com broadcasting from the Duntire and Hobby, Hobby Hill Farm Sales Studios, excuse me, and all guests appearing on the Accelerate Sports Complex phone line. Jason Paulus, WKTV, Mike Waters, Syracuse.com. Very excited to talk to Mike today. Uh, it's the first time on X31 we've been able to do that, so... We've got some great previews of the Georgetown game tomorrow. This is all kind of lining up perfectly for us. We go behind enemy lines. Bobby Bancroft with Casual Hoya will join us. So from their perspective, they call it sleeping with the enemy. We call it behind enemy lines. I like theirs better, and I hate that I have to give credit to something Georgetown-related, but I do. Spencer, how are you, by the way? I'm doing all right. It's a Friday. We got Syracuse-Georgetown coming up. You know, and and, and the, the, the Rangers are doing well. I mean, granted, they they... Got shellacked the last time out, but overall they're having a good year. The Comets are having a good year so far. The Crunch are struggling on the flip side of that. The Crunch are struggling on the flip side. Sorry to all you Syracuse fans out there. What a mark. You're a mark. That I, was a wrestling term for the glue guy. You're I welcome. Don't I don't feel bad for you guys. Did I use it appropriately? You did. I'm all proud right. of you. Go me. Dude, I don't do that. I, no, I, you don't. I, I can't. I often struggle. Is it a shoot? Is it, you know, is, is it a cheap pop? Is it, I mean, is it cheap heat? <laughs> All that stuff, right? Okay, you've you've done too much. I, I went too far. Yeah, I should have yeah. quit while I was ahead. You should have. Got to leave well enough alone. Nice uh, jacket, by the way. Thank you very much. We also, I'll show it to the, the QSportsTalk.com cameras in a couple of minutes. Uh, that was a gift from Michael Lear, one of the hosts of Double Down. Actually, the Barnes family, but it's a long story. Uh, we also have John Schmelk with Giants.com, our usual Friday slot at 315 to break that down. ESPN Radio is the home of the Giants. Okay, so I want to give you a couple of options before we get into some sound check with Jim Beheim from the Jim Beheim show last night and really dive into some SU basketball. Uh, but I do have a few options for you now. Let me set this up. I'm going to throw a little music out your way. Why don't we – I've whittled it down, and I've made an executive decision. I think we got to go with, with DMC. You know, you know Hollis? You know you know that? Yeah. Bring that beat up a little. We'll go with this. All right. I mean, it kind of should be Twas the Night Before Christmas – but it's Christmassy. It is. So we'll bring that down. We'll set a mood underneath. Let's go through this. There's been an update. Katie, I guess because she had some coffee today behind the scenes, running QSportsTalk.com. You all know her in the chat and everything else. And obviously she's been on air and on camera before. She's fantastic. And she did a little update of Twas the Night Before Georgetown. So we would like to read that. We would like to go through that. Yeah, a little, a, a little holiday read. Why don't we go... Four lines each until we get through this, Spencer. Okay. We'll, right. we'll read this for everybody. All right. Uh, by the way, all credit, once again, goes to Katie. Twas the night before Georgetown and all through the city. Everyone was stirring, even the kitties. The SU garb was hung by the door with care, in hopes of a win would soon be there. The fans were nestled all snug in their beds, while vision of threes sinking danced in their heads. And she in her sweater and I in my cap had just settled our brains... For a long evening's nap. When out on the court, there arose such a clatter. We sprang from our bed to see what was the matter. Away to the TV, we ran through the door, tore open our eyes to see what all the ruckus was for. 
The moon blanketing the frozen ground gave a glow of whimsy even on the sleeping hound. When what to my wondering eyes did appear but a tour bus and the team of players shuffled off barely loud enough to hear. With a seasoned coach so lively and quick, we knew in a moment it must be Coach Jim. More rapid than eagles, his course, his coursers they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Benny, now Jimmy, now Buddy and Joe, on Barama and Samir and Cole, on Cole and Jesse, to the top of the key to the center of the court. Now dash away, dash away, dash away all. So up on the sky top, the team they flew with a bus full of hope and a coach, Jim too. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave us to know we had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word but went straight to his work and laying a finger aside of his nose and giving a nod, the tour bus it rose. He sprang to his seat, to his team gave a whistle, and off they all flew away like a missile. But I heard him exclaim as they drove out of sight, Happy Happy game game day to all and to all a good night. night. That was spectacular. Unbelievable. That's doing work, man. Unbelievable. It's totally worth it. Now, that being said, Georgetown sucks. And I hope (laughs) they lose tomorrow. Boy, we're going to really get into this. You know, they don't shoot as many threes as, let's just say, our previous opponent, Nova, who shot a ridiculous amount. Uh, or Colgate. Colgate, yeah. Who, by the way, I was reminded also, and I have to give credit again to something Hoya-related. Um, in, in, in a recap they did at CasualHoya.com, um, they referred to the Q's loss to the team that's a brand of toothpaste, mm. Colgate, mm-hmm. uh, who have, you have been singing their praises. Past few years are a little bit better, aren't they? Uh, last year, Q's beat Georgetown 74-69. to That was here. Now it's there. Buddy had 21. Uh, Joe had 18. Just wanted to put those out there. Uh, any thoughts as we get to some Jim Beheim audio here on Extra 31 on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com and give you some Heim sound check? What do you think? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. No, I mean, uh, you know, my, my thoughts are just kind of what we've been going off of. Uh, you know, I mean, we need we need Buddy Beheim, you know, to step up and 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 be able to to get back to his his scoring ways. So, you know, I'm a little concerned about that, and I'm also a little concerned about uh, the three ball, giving up the three ball. And although Georgetown doesn't shoot threes often, they have a Pretty decent shooting percentage from beyond the arc. All right. Well, one of the things we talked about yesterday, Spencer, was the limited amount of practice time mm-hmm. of late for Syracuse. And on the Jim Beheim show last night, he did address that. Uh, it's five practices in three weeks, according to him. So let's hear what he said. It's one thing playing tough games, but when we play in the tournament, you know, you don't practice. You don't practice really the day before, so you have three games down there, and then you don't practice the game day coming back. And now you go right to Indiana a couple days, so you have a couple practices, and then you go uh, to Florida State, so you have two more practices, and then all of a sudden you're here going, getting ready for Villanova, and you got a good practice. So you have like five practices in three weeks. What did Mark Larson say to us yesterday? What's more important? Is it... Practice or playing games, especially at this point when you're in the season, I think it's going to be beneficial for them to get on the practice court. I, I think so too. I, you know, and, and especially with the fact that they're having difficulties with Buddy Beheim getting open looks, and he's being double teamed, and he hasn't really been able to to get you know shots off like like he's been able to previously. 
you know, they, they need to be able to practice getting him some different looks. They need to be able to figure out how he's going to be able to get free in order to, you know, to be able to shoot, um, you know, uncontested shots or at least, you know, they, they don't have time to close out on him. I mean, he just needs to be able to, to – they need to be able to figure out a strategy for him to get free. And you know what? Go figure. Jim had a comment on that last night. The Jim Beheim show with Soundcheck here next to 31 ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. He said, we've talked about this, but he kind of reiterated something he had already said, that Buddy's never going to have another easy night. No. He's in the crosshairs now. Yep. He is the player, the first player you game plan against with Syracuse. He's gotten so much better with the ball. If he was just a shooter, he wouldn't get any points. But he's getting so much better with the ball. And uh, But, you know, you're going to be up and down. It's, it's a, when you get that much attention, you're going to have your bad nights. It's, you just... He's never going to have an easy night again, and he's just going to have to keep working and work through it, and he will. And uh, he's got a lot of pride, and he'll he'll make sure he gets better every game. As nice as Buddy is, there is the Jim Beheim competitive fire that burns within his son. Six points against Florida State, six against Villanova. It's bad. I mean, nobody's going to tell you any different. Right. Six out of 25 field goal attempts, 0 for 9 from three-point range. He's down to 25.8% shooting on threes for the season. Uh, It is not Jim making apologies for his son. Those out there on social media saying otherwise, you're just wrong. But he's a good basketball player, period. So is Jimmy for that matter. They're playing uh, for Syracuse because they deserve to play for Syracuse. Where would the team be without them? And imagine this too. I think about this. If you are in Jim's position... Okay, and I think he's earned enough respect that you have the opportunity, especially having your sons later in life, and they turn out to be pretty decent basketball players, and you have the opportunity with a story program like Syracuse and where it stands in college basketball across the country to coach your sons. You're going to tell me you're not going to do it? Do you think he cares? Of course he's going to do it, and you know what? I would do the same exact thing. Just so happens that they're good basketball players, right? Right. A- absolutely. I-, I mean, you can't blame the guy. I mean, he's been doing this for forty-seven years. Of course, you're going to coach years. your kids, and 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 you have a chance where your players are your excuse me, your sons are decent players. They're absolutely you know equipped for the Division One level. Why not? Why not? Why not have that memory where you were able to coach your son on so the big stage? Far beyond basketball, exactly. too. Let's and, be honest. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, knowing Jim Beheim and his and his competitiveness and everything, you know, if his sons were not good enough to play, they would not be playing. That's right. They would not be on the team. They would not be getting minutes. They've proven it. I mean, the, the Syracuse Syracuse wouldn't have had the run that they had last March if it wasn't for Buddy Bayheim. I mean, he carried the team in the postseason through the through even in the ACC tournament. He was going off, albeit an early exit. Straight facts, homie. Soundcheck exit thirty one ESPN Radio Q Sports Talk The other Bayheim. It, it's pretty funny actually. Casual Hoya. Uh, we're talking to Bobby Bancroft at three o'clock and going behind enemy lines. Uh, but what was he calling it? A Bayheim Apalooza yeah. with a Matumbo. Uh, the Bayheim Apalooza. Jimmy Bayheim. He's adjusted quickly. This is what Jim Bayheim said about his other son last night. I'm surprised that Jimmy's adjusted so quickly, and he's really probably scored more than I thought he would at this stage, and been very good for us. And you know what? Julie's really happy about that. 
amphibious. I'm kidding. Ambidextrous. Both hands. Puts the ball on the deck. He can shoot. He does a little bit of everything. Just a solid, as people have called him, a throwback old school good basketball player, Spencer Davidson. Yeah. No, a- a- absolutely. And, and again, and, and it's funny because, you know, what, what Casual Hoya was saying is the fact that, you know, admittedly they'd hate the Bay, you know, the Bayheim Palooza if it was on any other team, but Jimmy's actually shown himself to be a relatively capable player. This is the kind of respect that they're getting from opponents. It's not a fluke. It's not just, you know, nepotism. There's the shooting issues with Buddy. And there is, of course, that glaring fatal flaw once again this year, the rebounding issue. And a lot of it has to do with the 2-3 zone and the fact that we play that and don't play man-to-man and blah, blah, blah. We've heard all those stories last night. Jim addressed the 2-3 zone. Said it's never really been a straight 2-3 zone. As you know, it's a 1-1-3, or as some are calling it, the 1-3-1. Here's what he said. We've changed our deep. It has never been a straight 2-3. It was a... We played the forwards up, the guards in. We played the guards out. I mean, we've played it a lot of different ways. Just like a man-to-man coach, you do pressure some, not pressure. I mean, everybody, you have tweaks to every defense and every offense. You're trying to protect the high post. As a result of that, with the tweak, Jesse has to cover more ground, either direction, to close out on shooters. We've established that and talked about it all week. And Jim said it's not really a big ask for Jesse to cover corner shots. It isn't because we're cheating him. It's different. We're playing a little bit more like a 3-2. So it's a normal 3-2 in some ways. And he should be able to get there. Uh, When we were playing a straight 2-3 and he wasn't, we weren't designating that and he had to see it, then you're too far away. So we changed it and now we get there a little better. And it's a better defense for us to do that. Even if we don't get there, even if they drive it because then they're getting inside more in twos, and we're trying not to give up threes, and that's what we're trying to do. And uh, we're we're getting a little better at it, but it's not good enough yet. Listen, they don't hit, uh, opponents don't hit shots, we're good to go. They hit threes, doesn't matter, two, three, one, one, three, one, three, one, call it what you want. We're going to struggle a little bit, especially because rebounding's are an issue. Now, uh, sticking with Jesse Edwards, here's the last piece of sound we'll play here, exit 31. QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. And and sticking with Jesse Edwards, listen, the improvements with Jesse are quite obvious and they're drastic. He has made uh, just a massive amount of improvement, had a massive amount of improvement since last year. One issue, though, and we've talked about this during the course of the week, and so has everybody else, he missed some layups. As he gets a little bit stronger, he goes up a little bit stronger. Jay Billis, uh, we know he was saying that the other night. You got to go up strong. You got to finish. He's missing some layups. It's not just Buddy not hitting shots. There's other reasons the team has lost their four games. Jesse got his one for six from the field, and they were layups. And he's, what, seven out of 15 from the three, or from the foul line, eight out of 15, right in that area. So, I mean, he's looking 20-point night. If he makes two or three layups more and makes his free throws. Now, all that being said, I would expect we'll beat Georgetown tomorrow. I think so. Yeah, I, I feel pretty good about it. You know, especially with with Katie's poem, I, I think that's going to be a rallying cry. We need to we need to send that to the team. If Syracuse beats Georgetown tomorrow, yeah, all credit goes to Katie for reworking for, that, writing yeah. that, sending it to us, and allowing us to read it on the air. Yeah, but we didn't ask her permission. But it was so damn good, we figured we had to. Yeah. Should we read poetry on a more regular basis? I think we should. We should have like a little a little poetry or a slam poetry. We're gonna have to get to maybe pukey promo voice uh, about some of the stuff happening at qsportstalk.com 
exclusive from or separate from ESPN Radio. It's a great reason to subscribe, and I think that we'll do that. But next, Jason Paulus, your co-worker at WKTV, Spencer, will join us next. Exit 31 ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Let's have a Friday. Our game plan, simple. Sports, nothing but sports and talk. And some pop culture, maybe some current affairs, a little arguing, occasional shouting. Okay, maybe not so simple after all, but hey, it works. Sometimes. <laughs> this is Exit 31 with Rain and Spencer on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. We are joined by... Jason Powell of WKTV, my coworker, my mentor, I would say. Although, you know, if you were watching on QSportsTalk.com, you saw that, you know, he learned half of what he knows about hockey from me. So I guess, Jason, I'm your mentor. I'm your, your on-ice mentor. Would that be fair to say? I think that's fair. I mean, you know, I, I, haven't, I haven't stooped too low to call you the hockey puck. But <laughs> um, I, I learned a lot of, of hockey from you so uh that, that's uh especially you know when i once i got to start digging into some high school hockey with you when you uh won that state championship back in the day yes, so sir. are you guys are you guys in even understanding there in the studio that you are with greatness i mean state champion he's I, a state champion i have actually mentioned that numerous times he, has, he does he does okay. build me up a little bit with that i've i've blown up i mean his i spot. can't listen to every show because you know, I got things to do, but I'm glad that you at least acknowledge the fact that you're with the champion. And not only that, but I was I was there when he won it. So <laughs> were you? Yeah, oh, I was there. look at that. Ooh, I wow. was. I absolutely was. I am impressed. Supported uh, my old alma mater. Let's put it that way. That's right. So Jason Paulus, uh, WKTV sports director, and then he's kind of moved on to the to the main anchor yeah, desk. Yep. And now Spencer, you're trying to fill his shoes. And no offense, but he's got he's been at this a little bit longer. Yeah, I think he. Right. And, I think he wears a little bit bigger shoes than me, so yeah, it's tough to fill. <laughs> well, I have a little bit of a question for both of you before we get started. And I was watching sure. last night, and and I did remark, and I mentioned the suit and tie game, and I said that to Spencer. You had a it a solid like a a darker gray with a solid dark tie mm-hmm. on. Yep. Suit and tie game's pretty solid, but Jason, you're pretty good too. And I want to ask you, who has a better overall suit and tie game, wow. you or Spencer? And listen, Spencer, you can handle this, right? I don't want to hurt your feelings. No, you, you, what do you mean? You care? What now? You care about hurting my feelings? It's, I, only, <laughs> I, I only enjoy being mean to you when it's about the Jets because it <laughs> distracts from my Giants. But what would you answer to that, Jason? All right, I, I love his suits because he does go with the three piece once in a while, and I'm a little jealous because I, I don't pull that off. But I take the edge and ties, and here's why. My wife picks out all my ties, and there is nobody better at picking out a tie than my wife. So he, he doesn't have one of those. Number one and number That's two. True. Uh, when you get the podcast link later, I would play this portion of it for your wife later because that was very smooth, sir. Uh, <laughs> it's all good. It's, it's all good. It is, as they I, say, yeah, all I, good. I can't argue. I can't argue with that. I, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna concede right there. Did he not just prove, as I said, a little bit more time and, and spent in the game and yeah. is a little bit more seasoned pro? Yeah, so, you know, more so than me. Say, I was gonna say. I was hoping that at some point, you know, the student would become the teacher, but he just continues to show that that's just impossible in my case. Jason Paulus <laughs> with a master class with WKTV here with the Section 31 ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. All right, I'm gonna direct this into some sports sure um cuse georgetown big rivalry tomorrow you're obviously familiar with the big east so we're going to talk to this guy bobby bancroft with casualhoya.com go behind enemy lines he is a journalist that obviously covers the hoyas and i've got to give credit where it's due because he threw a couple of things in their recap or their preview for tomorrow calling it 
the Bayheimapalooza with two Bayheims and a Matumbo and throwing some things like that out there. And it made me laugh. Called Joe Girard uh, the honorary Bayheim kid. <laughs> Uh, all right, I'll give them that too. But the Hoyas, we don't like the Hoyas around here. Just give us a quick assessment because the Hoyas are struggling this year. Then again, so is Syracuse. But Syracuse seems to have the edge tomorrow. Yeah. I would think they do. Um, the only thing that's going to, I mean, the battle down low is what's going to be interesting to see. I mean, Jesse Edwards is playing better, mm-hmm. um, but he's, he's young. He's still got a lot to learn. Now, and he's going to have to deal with. Two guys that are seven footers. Yeah. Um, because Matumbo is going to get some playing time. Um, he leads the team in block shots. I think it's just under two. Um, so, I mean, he's not quite, you know, Dikembe Matumbo. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it's it's one of those things that I think the battle down low, because you know the Bayheims are going to get their shots. You know is going to put up threes, and you know they're going to play um, pretty decent defense. Um, and right now, I mean, their records are just about even. What has Syracuse got one or two more wins than Yorktown? Yeah. I don't have it right in front of yeah, me. Yeah, I think but I'll check. But you keep going. I, I'm pretty sure it's it's I think Georgetown's four and four and Syracuse is what, five and four, six and four? Five and four. So, five and four, yeah. There you go. So they're pretty evenly matched. Um and I thought you know, right I thought they were hanging pretty well with Villanova. It's not every day that Villanova you're going to see a basketball team throw up that many threes. I mean, that was ridiculous in that game. 77. And so, that's just yeah, wild. That's just, that's just wild. 77 shots. Well, and you know what? I mean, that's how you beat the zone. You make the threes, right? You, you're, and so they're just going to chuck them and chuck them and chuck them as much as they can. Uh, Georgetown isn't that kind of team. So I, I think you're going to see a battle down low. Um and Syracuse has to get better on the boards if they're going to have a good season this year, if they're going to you know, go deep into and get into the NCAAs and play well. They have to get better in the middle. And that, that's just my opinion. Uh, but I'll tell you what, when they are firing all cylinders with Gerard and the Bayheims, and, oh, they're fun to watch, are they not? Yeah, no, they, they absolutely are. I mean, you know, one of the things, though, is, is that Buddy's dealing with, like, a little bit of a, a slump right now, though. I mean, he's... He's constantly double teamed. Defense, the defense keys on him. So two straight games with only single digit points. It's the first time since his freshman year. Is it time for concern regarding whether or not you know he's going to be able to adjust to to the fact that he's going to be pressured so much, or do you think that they're going to he's going to be able to navigate his way out of this and, and still get his shots? I think he'll find a way. I think you'll see him kind of change his game a little bit too. And the fact that he'll find a way to get the ball to the guy that's open. That's the next question. Can, if when he starts feeding guys that are open, they need to either make the next pass smartly or hit that shot because then he's going to keep defenses honest. They can't double them up or triple them up if he's starting to make the smart moves and starting to make the smart passes. And that I think will be a key going down the road here is, all right, when teams start to collapse on him, he's got to find the right guy, and that guy's got to start hitting shots. You see that happen. They'll relax their defense a little bit because they know they can't just key on him. And, and that's, you know, that's why it's a team sport. Everybody's got to step up. So I, I think that'll be a big factor right there. Once again, Jason Paulus, Spencer's coworker, WKTV, with us here, Exit 31 ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. I want to tap into your Yankees fandom, Jason. 
Uh, we've been talk- uh-huh. we've been talking about this nonsense that's been going on with Clint Frazier. Uh, I mean, uh-huh. I don't know if you saw the CC Sabathia comments uh, with Which some expletives. Uh, he's he's not enjoying this. And then Jeff Nelson came out and jumped on this as well. We do this thing called a kerfuffle, and it seems like everybody's having a kerfuffle with the way Clint Frazier has moved on from the Yankees. He's made fun of the number thing and the facial hair thing. Well, Jeff Nelson basically said, don't talk bleep about him. Screw you. He said, you've talked the talk, but you didn't walk the walk. Wow. Any comments on all this? Well, can you blame Jeff Nelson? The guy's got four World Series rings. He can talk whatever he wants. Okay? <laughs> I, 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 I briefly met him when I covered the World Series in 99 uh, because Clay Bellinger was on the team, and he was an Oneonta, you know, native so that was our hook we went down cover the world series and jeff nelson was lights out when he needed to be all right not everybody loved him i thought he was great i thought he was a guy that could you know come out of the pen get you the outs you needed he won four world series rings so i think he can talk clint frazier has not won a thing in fact he hasn't had a full season in just a bit he's got issues so just move on stop the talking what no one cares what Clint Frazier has to say. <laughs> Move on to your Chicago Cubs. Good luck there. I don't have a problem with them going, and I don't have a problem with them leaving. But, you know, talking smack, that's not going to get you anywhere. It's only just going to annoy people. And, frankly, if I'm Yankees fans, tune them out. we got more important things to worry about. we got to get our pitching ready to go. we got to get things rolling. Uh, there's no reason that the Yankees should not have done better last year. None. They did have injuries. I'll give you that. But they got to revamp things and get things going. And worrying about Clint Frazier is not a Yankees fan's problem right now. Yeah, keeping Clint Frazier or Tyler Wade or Velasquez or even Brett Gardner, for that matter, at this point, these are not the players that are difference between where they finished last year and ultimately winning a World Series. We thank Absolutely. you. We thank you, Jason Paulus, for the time. I'm glad when we get a chance to really in here. Hopefully, maybe we can do it again next week. All right. I'll be around. All right. Have a great rest of your week. Uh, enjoy the weekend, Jason Paulus, WKTV Spencer's uh, coworker and a man who has better ties because <laughs> of Mrs. Paulus. Exit 31, ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. We have Mike Waters with Syracuse.com lined up next. Exit 31. What the hell you guys say politely? I want to take a, a tinkle. A, a tinkle? I want to take a tinkle and came back. That's, that's polite, right? Yeah, yeah. Tinkle is polite, yeah. I want to take a tinkle and went back. <laughs> This is Exit 31 with Rain and Spencer on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. I have an opening question for Mike Waters, of course, with Syracuse.com and here with us on the Accelerate Sports Complex phone line. I'm going to defer and move that to my second question because I want to reference QSportsTalk.com and the chat. I was specifically asked by Texan Mark to ask you, Mike, your favorite away Georgetown story, your favorite Georgetown road game story. Favorite road game? Well, it's probably going to be, I think it was 2004 when Jerry McNamara hit the game winner. Um, and everybody, it, it's funny, a lot of Syracuse fans are going to remember Jerry hitting the shot at the last second. I mean, buzzer beater. They beat Georgetown down here in D.C. But if you go back and you look at the film of Jerry's game winner, Hakeem Warwick is the one that tries to bring the ball up the court. And Hakeem wasn't exactly known as a ball handler. Yeah. And it's, he's like, 
it's like Bambi on ice watching (laughs) (laughs) the fact that he somehow managed to not either walk or turn the ball over or just plain old get his pocket picked and have George. It was amazing. Jerry shot was the least amazing thing of that game ending sequence. I, I always go back and I look at that. I'm like, what was Hakeem Warwick doing with the ball in that moment? But a heck of a shot by Jerry and, that was a big celebration. Uh, that's probably, you know, a lot of my favorite Syracuse Georgetown moments didn't play, take place in D.C. They're all at either the Garden or the Dome. It's Absolutely. Funny you asked me about the away thing because, um, you know, I, I could have gone on for an hour about Garden or Dome, but uh, the the road ones. Um, it's funny, but yeah, the, the Jerry game winner, I think it was in 04 stands out. We have to revisit this Syracuse Georgetown conversation for sure, but I don't want to waste all of our time talking about, well, we'll be talking about this year's Syracuse Georgetown game, obviously the one tomorrow, but my initial opening question for you, Mike, I just have to ask what brought you to the decision to go with white shadow as the background picture on Twitter, because in my mind, and maybe I'm showing my age, I just think it's stellar, and I love that show, and just applause, kudos, and props to you. Well, uh, thank you for noticing. (laughs) Um, I guess I was about high school age when White Shadow came out, and man, was I the target audience. Um, You know, this show about, you know, a bunch of hip, uh, you know, guy, high school kids playing you know, high school basketball and, and, you know, Ken Howard as the former NBA guy with the bad knees who comes in to coach them. And it it was just such a cool show. And it was a show unlike uh, most shows on back then. I mean, they talked about real issues, uh, real things happened. I mean, a main character got killed on the show Mm -hmm. back when you didn't necessarily do that. You certainly didn't do it with a high school kid. Um, The basketball was fairly realistic. Um, you know, it certainly wasn't, you know, Carlton taking a half court shot or, or <laughs> Michael J. Fox and Teen Wolf, sure. uh, which were some of the most ridiculous basketball scenes ever. I mean, it was it had a realistic feel to it. And, oh, yeah, I mean, you know, God, Carver High from Coolidge to Salami to Reese. To, I mean, you know, I can't remember what I had for breakfast, but I can tell you so much. I love that show. It's a great show. So, yeah, I use it for the background and. In case anybody's looking for a last-minute Christmas gift, if you can find me a Carver High T-shirt, I'd love it. Uh, I'm, I'm going to get on that. I am going to get on that. We'll go to Google. Spencer, uh, kick it to Mike. How, I mean, how am I supposed to follow that one up? Mike Waters of Syracuse.com here on Exit 31 ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Uh, Mike, in a, in a little bit, we're actually going to be talking uh, behind enemy lines with Bobby Bancroft, who's a, a journalist that covers Georgetown, and he referred to the Syracuse-Georgetown <laughs> rivalry as formerly being the Hatfields and the McCoys. Actually, Mike, Mike oh, did yeah, that. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I knew oh, that. my, uh, That's right. I, I'm sorry. You know what? I got to give you credit. I'm so sorry. I read both the articles. Everything kind of mumbled together. So I apologize like, for wow, that. Bobby and I were like sharing the same thought yesterday because I wrote that too. He went with Bayheim of Palooza. <laughs> the Bayheim Palooza is that is is what uh, Bobby said. But but anyway, so okay, so you, so you you said that they were like the Hatfields and the McCoys of the Big East. And do you feel like now not being conference rivals? You know, I know the fans of Syracuse still hate Georgetown. I know Georgetown fans still hate Syracuse. But has the game lost its luster, even though it's still been an annual thing the last seven years? 
I can't say it's totally lost its luster. That's going a bit too far because mm. believe me, when they get out there and the, between the, you know, but I think a lot of the rivalry right now is carried through the fans. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some, you know, like every year it's like, you know, I'll talk to like some of the Syracuse assistants like Red Autry and Alan Griffin who have been around a little bit. They were part of this rivalry and they, they, they kind of have to impart uh, to the current guys. Listen, this is important. You guys may not realize it right now, but this is important to alumni and all the former players and, you know, guys like Billy Owens and Derek Coleman are going to be really mad if you lose this game. And, and it just, it just matters. Um, you know, not being in the same league, you know, trying to play each other once a year is great. And you try to keep it up. Um, but it's tough because you, you know, you're separated by six hours in at least three or four states. It's not like Louisville and Kentucky right. not being in the same league, but, you know, they, they occupy the same state. You know, they divide, you know, fan bases down there. Um, you know, there's a few other play like Georgia Tech and Georgia. They're not in the same league, you know, but because of their proximity, you have a rivalry. You know, you don't, you don't quite have the same proximity. But I tell you what, there's so many vestiges of the rivalry. I mean, first of all, Jim Beheim continues to, you know, coach Syracuse. He's on the sidelines. He's got two of his own sons suiting up. Now, you know, Patrick Ewing isn't blocking shots anymore, but he's over there on the Georgetown sideline. You know, I, I tell you what, I talk to a lot of Syracuse fans and alums and stuff, and they really have a tough time acknowledging that Lewis Orr is on the Georgetown staff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they really can't. They, they have to wrap their heads around that one. Uh, but I tell them, listen, Lewis and Patrick became friends in the NBA, you know, so, we, you know, you have to let him, you have to, we have to give Lewis a little bit of a break there. But, uh, no, I think it's still a big deal. I think it's an important game. I think it's really important for Syracuse because, you know, they still try to recruit, uh, you know, this area here, uh, the Maryland, D.C., Virginia area. Uh, so to come down here and play Georgetown every other year, I think, is a big recruiting thing. So I think it's still important, but has it lost its luster? I mean, listen, I, I, you, you know I would be lying to you if it, if it hasn't slipped a little, if I tell you it hasn't slipped a little bit. Uh, you know, a it li- has. A know little bit, but as a lifelong fan, it yeah. still juices me up a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Mike Waters, Syracuse.com with us. Exit 31 ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. There is now a link available in the chat uh, of a Carver High t-shirt. Uh, somebody found <laughs> one for you while we've been talking, Mike, from MRA 901. It's in there. We've got to get that to you. Uh, we'll do that when we get off the air. That being said, let's take a look at the game. I swear it's amazing, isn't it? The power of uh, radio. and, and That's really scary. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> So we've got the Caden Rices, uh, the three-point shooter. We got a Donald Carey. We got a Ryan Matumbo. We got a Malcolm Wilson, and this Georgetown Hoyas roster. Take a look at them, and what can we expect tomorrow? Break it down for us a little. Boy, I tell you what, I think anybody who's even clo- covered Georgetown close is going to have a t- tough time telling you what to expect from this team. It's a new bunch. They got a lot of freshmen they rely on. A couple of the players you mentioned there, like Caden Rice, Donald Carey, they're transfers. Um, there's very little holdover here. You know, one of their key players is Aminu, Aminu Muhammad, a freshman. He's playing very well, but you know, it, it, it's also a Georgetown team that hasn't exactly been tested against the toughest of schedules out there. Uh, you know, wins over American and Siena and Longwood, uh, UMBC the other night. I mean, four less than impressive wins. Uh, you know, a, a head scratching loss to Dartmouth. Syracuse can relate. They have one against Colgate. So um, I don't know. This team has consistently rebounded the ball well, and especially on the offensive end, that should be of some concern for Syracuse. You know, we saw the other night down at the Garden how Villanova just, 
you know, kept crashing the boards and chasing down all of their misses and, and keeping the ball at that end. It, it, it's a, a couple points in that game. It was like watching a hockey game. They just kept the ball at one end of the ice uh, the, the whole time and just kept firing on goal. I think Villanova had one possession where they missed four three-pointers. That's really hard to do in one possession. I mean, eventually the other team gets the ball and takes it the other direction. So Georgetown's ability to rebound is a concern. They do have some big athletes. You know, they shoot the ball fairly well, uh, especially from three-point range. They don't shoot it as often from out there on a regular basis as, say, Villanova and, and Colgate, you know, two teams that have beaten Syracuse. Now, Syracuse, uh, Georgetown might up their – you know, three-point shooting numbers tomorrow. I would expect they're going to have to because yeah. of the way Syracuse plays the zone. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so Syracuse is going to have to be aware that this is this Georgetown team shoots it a little bit better than some have in the past. And that kid, Caden Rice, holy cow, 10 out of 12 three-pointers the other night against UNBC, setting a school record with 10 made threes. Wow. Um, I don't care who you're playing against. That's a pretty good night. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Now, speaking of you know, speaking of of, of a player who can be really good, uh, Benny Williams said the other day on our show that he is not considering transferring. It was unprovoked. He just wanted to squash any rumors before they started because of the fact that you know he he obviously has struggled a little bit you know as he's entered the Division One ranks. But um, I mean, mm-hmm. it just seems like this kid has such a great attitude, and with his skill set, with the attitude, the willingness to work, the willingness to to find you know whatever role that he could be in. I mean, does this kid just have it all in the making to be a superstar? I mean, how impressed are you with him so far? Uh, you know, I like Benny a lot as a kid, and I did hear him say that on your show earlier in the week, and it was nice to hear, and, and especially for him to come out and just kind of say, "Hey, listen, I, you know, I hear the talk." You know, I'm not oblivious to social media, but let's let's stop it, right? Yeah. You know, and, and just say, hey, I, I'm going to be here. Um, so that's great. Um, you know, he's got a lot of talent. He's the most athletic kid on the team. Well, either him or Frank Anselm are probably the most athletic. Um, he's just got to learn to figure out how to use that athleticism to his advantage. Uh, why, you know, you know, sometimes you're, you're that sub, you're the freshman, you come in the game and you want so desperately to help and you do what he did the other night when it's not really what they want him to do, but he tried to go off the dribble on his own and committed an offensive foul. And it was an easy call. It was right in front of where we were sitting down there at the garden. He just, he put his shoulder into a guy and charged and you're like, and, and you know, as soon as you did it, I'm like, Jim's probably going to take him out for that. And sure enough, he, he, he did. It's like, you know, I was kind of thinking maybe he lets it go, but it's boy, that's not what they want Benny to do right now. Just keep moving the ball and move without the ball, you know, keep passing it. You don't have to do that. And, um, you know, he's got to improve his outside shot. The shot, it's not broken, but it's flat. Um, I see him shoot in warmups and it looks much better. It's got a nice, nicer arc and it's much softer. So, you know, He's doing the work, and and this is because a lot of times when you'll see a kid improving their shot, they can do it in practice, they can do it in warm-ups, but in a game, it's hard to keep that up, uh, to get it, get yourself to the point where it translates to the heat of the moment in the game. So when he goes up for that jumper in the game, you can see he holds on to it a little bit longer, and he flattens it out. That's not a good shot. But I fully expect that by this time next year, we're seeing a much different-looking shot from him in games because I'm already seeing it in warmups. Um, so, you know, he's working on it and it's hard to kind of really get it to translate for him in the games because he's not getting a lot of time. You know, he's not getting a chance to like play through mistakes yet and, and, and play through misses because, you know, 
when you're the seventh, eighth guy on the bench and you start, you know, you mess up or you don't take the shot that you're supposed to take, it's like, hey, listen, you got to listen. Uh, so we're going to take you out and make sure you listen when we send you back in the next time. And, you know, I, I just think he's going to help so much. And people have asked me about the whole Benny Williams. Oh, my God, he's going to transfer. And I think a lot of people have Kadari Richmond-itis. Uh, and because they just think like any high profile kid that's not getting any playing time around now is, is inherently going to leave. And yes, I know the transfer portal makes it a whole lot easier, but unlike Kadari, who I think had a very miserable year, like they all did last year because of COVID didn't get to like bond with teammates. And I, and I also think Kadari looked ahead and he's like, you know, for the next two years, I got Joe Girard here with me and, you know, best case scenario, I'm splitting time. He didn't want to split time. He wanted more time. And, you know, what, you know, Syracuse couldn't like guarantee that was going to happen. Um, different for Benny, you know, Jimmy Bayheim's graduating. He's, he's gone at the end of the year. Cole Swider could come back for another year, but he has said that he's leaning towards this being his last year. You know, he'll graduate from college and move on. Now we'll see what Cole does, but even if Cole were to come back, there's a starting forward job open next year. We know this. There could be two starting forward jobs open next year. Benny Williams can look to next year and go, my time is coming. Yeah, there's my a, time is is is, is it's, and I can see it. It's right there. It's next year. Kadari couldn't see the future that he wanted to see. That's why Kadari left. Uh, so I, you know, I don't immediately think that Benny Williams has got one foot out the door, and that's why I was glad to hear him say what he said on your show earlier in the week uh, to kind of you know put all these things to rest. What a master class in an answer to a question, Spencer. That is Mike Waters of Syracuse.com. This is Exit Thirty One ESPN Radio QSportsTalk.com. Uh, Benny's going to persevere through this. Uh, I just wanted to put that out there. And he joins us on Wednesdays at 3.30. Mike, every Friday at 2.30 for the rest of the basketball season. I just text you a link to the Carver High shirt uh, that we were discussing. Have a great rest of your day. Enjoy the game tomorrow, and we'll talk next week. Thanks, Mike. Hey, good talking to you guys. Have a good one and have fun watching the game tomorrow. Absolutely. Exit 31 ESPN Radio. Once again, QSportsTalk.com. A quick segment called You're Killing Me Smalls, and then we'll get behind enemy lines right after that. Hang tight. You're killing me, Smalls. This is Exit 31. Here is Rain and WKTV Sports Director Spencer Davidson on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. You're killing me, Smalls. Uh, my, my first one today, Spencer, it's really quick. <laughs> Q's lost to a team that's a brand of toothpaste. Here <laughs> you go. You're killing me, Smalls. That's funny. I got to give it to CasualHoya.com and Bobby Bancroft, who we're going to talk to in just a couple of minutes when we go behind enemy lines to take a look at Syracuse and Georgetown. But my other one, and I know that you'll you'll probably, maybe you'll maybe you'll agree with this, but the Vikings Steelers game last night, I'm looking at the Vikings going, you know, you're killing me, Smalls. How did you let them back in with barely a few minutes left in the third, that fourth quarter? Like Big Ben, if you're watching Twitter. For three quarters of that game, the obvious, like he's old, he's washed up, he's done, stick a fork in him, kick him up, kick him to the curb like a substitute girlfriend. But I mean, that, then they just let him get back in this. And didn't they just lose to Detroit? Yeah. Oh, what's up with the Vikings? You're killing me, Smalls. Or do you understand? Ah, I mean, look, it's not like the Steelers crushed the Lions. They, the Lions, they tied them. So this, I mean, the Steelers team, uh, you know, they're both kind of on, I wouldn't say equal footing, but, you know, I, I think with the in terms of the Vikings, look, they pulled out the win. I think that's what matters. Okay. But what was it? What was it? It was a, like a, a 16, what, what uh, 
Pittsburgh scored like what sixteen points in like two minutes or something, or yeah, something like that. There's the pick six in there. Yeah, the pick six, and then but did they go for two on one of them? I can't remember. Yeah. I had it on. I had it on TV, but I but obviously I was editing video and stuff, so I was only picking my head up every so often. That being said, though, um, yeah, I mean, look, we talked about it yesterday, did we not? With Kirk Cousins, did we talk about Kirk? Yeah, I think we talked we, about Kirk Cousins we yesterday, did. and I mean, he is just so hit or miss. He really. It's just so no pun intended either. The twenty five so hit or miss. The touchdown number looks good, but the it's touchdown just, number looks good. Not a winning quarterback. No. Overall. Like I don't no. have faith that he would win them the big game. Let me play you one quick yeah. piece of audio from Damian Woody. He was talking about Mike Tomlin's post game comments. Uh then we'll hit this break because we do gotta get to Bobby Bancroft. But hang on, here we go. My, my affinity for that man is well stated out here. You, you, enjoy, you enjoy the truth there, huh? Man, inject that all in my veins right there. <laughs> I, listen, when Mike Tomlin said that the, that the line of scrimmage is like a JV group, mm. man, I'm telling you right now, film session is going to be... It's going to be a problem. You mentioned a moment ago the team pisses you off. Like, I can't think anything bothers him more than to be physically beaten at lines of scrimmage. Because the Steelers, like when you think of the Steelers, like when you think of the Steelers, you think of physically imposing teams on both sides of the ball, Mm -hmm. and the Minnesota Vikings literally was tossing guys out of the club all all night long. You don't see all night. You got to get rid of Big Ben after this year, but you can't get rid of Coach Tomlin. He's not going to college. He's staying right where he is. But at the end of the day, the Vikings lost, and. That's all I have to say. Exit 31 ESPN Radio QSportsTalk.com. Bobby Bancroft with Casual.com is next. This means war. Rain and WKTV Sports Director Spencer Davidson. Go behind enemy lines. This means war. Oh, poof. A war. How dare you call me crazy? This means war. This means war. This means intense conflict. That's not the same. This is Exit 31 on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. I did Luke Judge and Aaron Voigt closing out our last segment. Yes, clearly the Vikings held out to beat the Steelers. That's why Pauly Scavillia's team got the <laughs> when we wrapped it up. But now we move on to Bobby Bancroft with CasualHoya.com joining us behind enemy lines. Their version, uh, when they spoke to somebody from Noon's Magician, is sleeping with the enemy. And theirs is better. Uh, in deference to you, Bobby, we pointed that out earlier. You have to give credit where it's due. And the Bayheim Palooza thing. Uh, Colin JG3, an honorary Bayheim kid, that made us chuckle too. But you were talking about this Georgetown-Syracuse rivalry. Uh, you're glad it's still big. And right before we jumped on the air, you said, but you still want to find a way to make it better. I'd love for you to expand on that. Okay. Well, so guys, obviously... Both of these Big East rivals are coming into the game a combined 9-8. and eight. Syracuse lost to a team from the Patriot. Georgetown has an L against an Ivy League school. So we can't, you know, make the product better. But I think one of the things that they could do administratively and listen to fans and alumni is it's still football season. And all of the great Georgetown-Syracuse games happened in fe- January, February, and March up at Madison Square Garden. Yeah. So I know it's harder with the conference schedules, but I really think this game would be a little bit bigger. And Georgetown's done it in the past where they've played Duke or they've played Michigan State, you know, during the conference season. I think this game would be a bigger deal if it was, you know, at the Dome in February or, you know, down in D.C. So I think that's one thing that could happen outside of Bayheim and Ewing getting these teams in a better spot. Bobby, uh, just give us a little bit of, a, of an analysis of this Georgetown team from the QSIS perspective. 
you know, we know they've they've got a few key guys, Caden Rice and et cetera. But just what who are some guys that we need to watch out for, you know, if, if we're fans of the Syracuse Orange? Wow. Um, that is a great question. And I'd be lying to you if I have a complete read on this team after eight games. They're basically on their fourth option at center yeah. between transfers and injuries. Yeah. Um, they've got a they've got a five star recruit Aminu Muhammad who's doing something at Georgetown that hasn't been done since Otto Porter and that's he's a freshman leading the team in rebounding. Um, it doesn't happen very often. He's a six five. He's a shooting guard, small forward. He's someone you got to keep an eye on. Obviously, unless you were asleep last past couple of days, Georgetown had a kid break the all time Hoya record with. 10 three-pointers. I know it was against UMBC, but he took 12, and he's a, he's a complete gunner. He's a grad student from the Citadel, Caden Rice, you know, and then to go along with Don Carey, who you guys saw last year, yep. is also a grad, a grad transfer. But right now, this is a Georgetown team that's trying to find itself, and believe it or not, of course, in the, you know, a game with, you know, Ewing and, and you know, multiple Bayhimes, a Matumbo is starting to come on, and he's yeah. doing it offensively rather than defensively, which you'd probably assume he's wagging his finger. Not so much of that, but he's actually a threat offensively. So we have a chat. We're on QSportsTalk.com here and ESPN Radio in Central New York as we talked to Bobby Bancroft with CasualHoye.com. And I was asked to ask you, so this is obviously a home game for Georgetown. How annoying, oh, from boy. the Georgetown perspective, are Syracuse fans that travel down? Be well, honest. Be honest. We want to hear it. Bring it. So I would say, like, 10 years ago, if you asked me, I would say, oh, it's the worst. This is terrible. They, <laughs> yeah. they try and take over the building. They get the whole 400 level. But I'm going to be honest. Outside of the first game against Dartmouth, which obviously is not a great result when you lose to an Ivy, um, no one's coming to games. So I think everyone's going to be excited just to have life in the building. It Really? Is it that bad? Yeah. Yes, it is. It is that bad. You can, you know, chalk it up to a multiple things. I mean, Georgetown did win the Big East tournament last year. No one was there, obviously, because of COVID, yeah. and most of the players graduated or transferred. So there hasn't been a lot of buzz. And, you know, it was great attendance against Dartmouth. The students were out Hoya Blue, and they lost. And it wasn't really that competitive, and they haven't come back since. So uh, we did a podcast last night. I estimate it's going to be, I'd say, hopefully 13,000 people. But I think I don't think there's anyone – expecting there to be more Georgetown fans in Syracuse tomorrow. And that's that's sad, but it'll be great to have people in the building. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this uh, from the other perspective, because, you know, Syracuse fans are, I'll be perfectly honest. Um, and I, I've been in the dome for a Georgetown game before. We just look at y'all and go, Me too. oh, man, yeah, absolutely. Give us a memory. We'll, we'll go with a memory. Since you brought up the fact you've been in the building, give us a memory when you've been behind enemy lines. Well, I think everyone's got to go back to the like, the Otto Porter game in 2013. Mm-hmm. I think Syracuse Syracuse has made the mistake of dedicating stuff when Georgetown comes to town. <laughs> I want to believe that they dedicated Bayheim Court. There was something else. Maybe it was a Carmelo Anthony retirement jersey. So I think definitely Otto Porter, I think, almost outscored Syracuse by himself in 2013. So that, for me, you know, I was a little kid when there was all, you know, the oranges on the backboard and stuff for, for Alonzo Mourning and stuff like that. But Otto Porter basically, and he's got the name of the mascot, you know, so it felt like it was Otto's building that day. So that's definitely, I think, in the last 10 years, the biggest Georgetown moment in the Carrier Dome. Bobby Bancroft of CasualHoya.com joining us here on Exit 31 ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. 
Uh, a little bit earlier, I asked you about from the Syracuse perspective, who do you have to watch out for from Georgetown? But just taking a look at this Syracuse team uh, from the Georgetown perspective, you know, who are some of the guys that you're watching out for? Um, obviously, Buddy Bayheim is, is, is the main piece, but he's been struggling of late. So what are you kind of expecting from the Orange? Yeah, and I think that's what's kind of worrying everyone. So I mentioned Caden Rice for Georgetown hit 10 threes last game. The game before in a loss to South Carolina, he went 0 for 8 from 3. So I think everyone would actually, most Georgetown fans would have really preferred that Syracuse beat Villanova and came in feeling maybe a little bit better about themselves. But the fact that, you know, it is easy to say buddy, but the fact that he's slumping so bad and his numbers are not indicative of what he's put up in his career, I think, everyone's just really worried about that because Georgetown, one of their Achilles heels is three-point shooting defense. It has been Ewing's, you know, four-plus years now. So everyone's kind of worried about that. But I think the Georgetown perspective is, you know, you don't, you guys don't play a whole lot of people. We're sort of wondering why Denny Williams left this area to go up there. He doesn't really play. So I, I think if the game can speed up, that's going to be the most interesting how does Syracuse handle a game where, you know, it's fast-paced because Bayham doesn't play a lot of guys. So, I've got a question from our chat, and I want to bring this to you. Is is Patrick Ewing in trouble as coach, if it's as bad as you say, between the product on the court and the fact that really people aren't going to the games? Because we love Pat Ewing, and I mean, for me, it's the Knicks thing. It's not the Georgetown right. thing, uh, but you got to respect Pat Ewing. But is he going to be out of a job soon if this continues? Uh, that's an interesting question. Uh, you know, Georgetown's a private school, so, you know, you can't Freedom of Information Act, all the contract stuff. It is reported that he had a six-year contract. He's in year five. This would be the year where you get an extension. Mm-hmm. Um, I, think bef- I think before he would get in any trouble, and it's, it's clear Patrick can coach. There's no question about that. The big problem, and, you know, it's not helping it's the age of the transfer portal, is there's just been every year is independent of each other. It's always you're restarting. It's year one every year. And I think the first thing that would happen is the shakeup of his staff, I think, before they came for Patrick. And I, I really don't think he's in any immediate trouble, although the fans that have stuck through are, you know, there's definitely grumblings. But, you know, message boards are never very happy places anyway. But I, I think Patrick's okay for now. Yeah, don't read the comments type of thing, <laughs> right? Bobby Bancroft be, uh, <laughs> is behind Enemy Lines with us from CasualHoy.com. Exit 31 is on ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. Uh, you know, we were talking about the threes do you expect, as, as we had this conversation with Mike Waters, who covers uh, Syracuse for Syracuse Media. Oh, yeah. Do great, they, great, great guy. Yeah, absolutely. Will they shoot more threes than normal because they're playing against Syracuse in this 2-3 uh, tweaked 1-1-3 zone? Do you expect them to do that? I'm going to expect that not to be the strategy to start because Georgetown's a pretty good three-point shooting team, but they've really only got two guys that can do that. So obviously, Beheim knows how to adjust that. You know, it's not just a zone. It's a zone that changes and moves throughout the game. So he's not going to really want Caden Rice and Donald Carey to be shooting threes. He's going to want to see, can Dante Harris, Big East MVP tournament last year, can he make his threes? Can Aminu Muhammad, who I talked about, the five-star recruit that they got, can those guys make threes? So I'm going to expect that Georgetown's going to try and get the ball up the court before the zone sets. Patrick talked about that today. So did Aminu Muhammad. We had a chance to talk to them. Mm -hmm. So I don't think the strategy is going to be Villanova-like. They're not going to try and do that, but Syracuse obviously might force you into doing that. Bobby, uh, obviously this isn't a a conference game anymore, as we've, uh, we've talked about so many times, but... You know, the state of Georgetown right now, based on what you've been saying in this in this you know interview, I mean, how much would a win over Syracuse mean, even just for the confidence of the team, the morale, you know, even though it doesn't actually mean anything in terms of league standing? 
Oh, we talked about it last night. Uh, Georgetown win today could absolutely change the trajectory of their season. You know, they're four and four, but unlike Syracuse's five and four record, Georgetown doesn't have a good win yet. Their best win, if you go by Ken Palm, you know, is like 200 Longwood. You know, that's just not good. Syracuse, while they're struggling, they've got some, you know, some resume stuff. And conversely, this would be a bad loss for Syracuse which is not what you want when you play a school like Georgetown. You want to you know, feel like it's going to get you ready for the tournament, and at the very least, it's going to be a good loss. So for Georgetown, it could literally change their season. For Syracuse, it's going to go down on the resume for the time being as a bad loss if they were to lose. Man, it's been a fun conversation, Bobby. I, I like it. I like the rivalry. It's a lot of fun. Are, are you? Do you still get juice for it personally? Is It's really my final question because I'm a lifelong fan, and, and moving from the Big East – uh, you know, not being in the same conference. It's changed it a little bit for me. Maybe it's lost the luster nationally. We were talking about that before. But how about for you? Is, is it still get you cranked up? Do you still circle that date on the calendar? I do. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, juice, no pun intended, like absolutely <laughs> juiced up for this. It's such a big deal. There was a couple years where they didn't play, then it started with JT3 and Bayheim again, yeah. and then it's continued with Patrick. Patrick today said that when he got the job, he called Bayheim early. And, you know, he said that, you know, Jim told him, look, I'm going to keep playing, but only because of you. So hopefully this will just keep going on forever. It's hard to imagine Bayheim leaving. Um, yes, this is still a big deal. My one tweak would be to play it in January or February when the world is, right. you know, the country is focusing more on college basketball. I think it would add it a little bit. I just know that I laughed out loud when I heard that Pat Ewing jokingly offered Buddy Bayheim a scholarship to Georgetown. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, great stuff from you. Bobby, thank you so much for the time. Enjoy the game tomorrow. Appreciate you. Absolutely. I'll see you. The one and only Bobby Bancroft from CasualHoya.com. We're back uh, for the Giants fans and talking with John Schmelk. We'll do it next. Exit 31 on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. This is Exit 31 with Rain and Spencer on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. We welcome John Schmelk from Giants.com and here on the Accelerate Sports Complex phone line as ESPN Radio is the flagship in central New York. Uh, what a frustrating season yet again we find ourselves in, John. So we're going from Daniel Jones to Glennon to Jake Fromm. Uh, we've got an issue at quarterback as it stands right now coming off that tough loss to the Miami Dolphins 20-9. to uh, What do you say? Yeah, look, I think there's probably a good chance that Glenn is still going to start this week. They'll go through final. Uh, we're going to talk to Joe Judge in a little bit for our radio pregame show, and then they'll have him go through, uh, Glenn and go through his final concussion protocol tests. And I think there's a good chance he passes those, given he was limited in practice yesterday, in which case he'll be the starter. So, no, there's a chance he doesn't pass today. He doesn't pass the, uh, you know, the independent neurologist test, and then Fromm has to go. But I think right now they're optimistic that – Glennon should be good to go on Sunday. Can you give us the rest of the injury report, uh, update any injury news that we need to know heading into the game uh, against the Chargers on Sunday? Uh, yeah, practice is going on right now, so they have not issued that final report yet. But um, it looks like Sterling Shepard looks like he's made more progress from last week. I think he's got a real chance. I think at worst he'll be questionable in a game-time decision. Kadarius Tony, I think, will probably work towards the questionable to doubtful category. He hasn't done quite as much in practice this week out there in Arizona. Um, Kenny Galladay missed practice on Wednesday. He practiced yesterday. I think unless they've found the new fracture in his ribs, he should be fine. Uh, Dory Jackson is probably a no-go. He's still dealing with that quad injury, and I think that covers most of the bases. Everyone else should be good to go. 
You know, John, it, it was it was relatively recently that, you know, when Joe Judge uh, came aboard and, and everyone was like, oh, you know, he's the right coach for this team. And, you know, you saw a little bit of improvement uh, in the second half of the season last year. But, I mean, at this point with what we've seen this season, do you think that, that Judge is still the right coach for this team? I, I don't see this as a coaching issue, guys. Yeah. Is the offensive line being unable to block a coaching issue? No. Is the fact that they've had all their skill position guys hurt all year coach issue? Is the fact that Daniel Jones um, has been injured now and, you know, has not been able to play better because of that offensive line issues and those injuries a coaching issue? I mean, look, can you, you know, quibble with some, you know, uh, time management stuff and, you know, getting out of the huddle faster? Can you quibble with stuff like that? Sure. Is, is that really adding a significant number of win totals to what their record is? I, I think the answer is no. You know, the team still plays hard for him. The locker room is together. The players believe in him. They like him. Um, I, I still think he's a smart coach. Have the results been there? No, absolutely not. But I don't see what's happening now as a coach's issue. And if you guys see something that you think is a coaching issue, I, I'd love to hear it. I'll, I'll happy to talk to you about it. But I think what has them right now where they are with their record has a lot more to do with player execution on the field and talent level on the field than it has to do with coaching. I'm with you on Joe Judge. I, I, I honestly am, as a diehard, lifelong Giants fan, as we talk to John Schmuck with Giants.com here, Exit 31 ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. I, I guess my tweak to that and, and what I want you to assess is it seems like Gettleman is out after this year. The writing seems to be on the wall. Now, you know more than this. That's why I'm asking but new GM, is he going to want the same coach or does he want to bring in his guy? And how would that factor in moving forward? Uh, yeah, well, look, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with the, with the GM after the season. I've seen the same reports you have, obviously. Right. And obviously the results the last four years haven't been what anybody would want them to be. So I, I honestly don't know. I think it depends who the new GM is, right? I would assume that you would, you know, bring in somebody and then – Part of the interview process would be, well, do you, you know, what do you think about keeping the head coach? Would you have to have a new head coach? I imagine all that will be discussed at the time and the preference of whoever is coming in and, you know, how much of a priority is and, and who wins the interview battle and who, and who gets the job again if they decide to make a change at all. And that, I guess, would be part of that whole determination process. I think it's, it's kind of hard at this point, you know, the second week of December to look that far into the future and, and be able to make that prediction, but we just don't know exactly what the situation is going to be. Tell us a, a little bit more about this bonding trip, uh, since we're talking a little Joe Judge in here, too, and him still being the right coach. This trip to Arizona to bond before getting uh, to the game against the Chargers. This is the right time of the year. Uh, why do they do it now? And how key is that to bringing a team together? There's still some football to be played here. Well, I mean, they did it now because it's their only West Coast trip, right? Right. So, I mean, and it wasn't like, all right, let's plan to do this in December. It's, it's, it's kind of just how the schedule worked out. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't want to take that three-hour trip back from Miami and then fly into the five hours out to uh, L.A. So they just decided to kind of do it in one fell suit to go to Arizona and then go to L.A. and work out there. You get better weather uh, to work outside. You're acclimated to the heat, which you dealt with in Miami. You'll deal with in Arizona. You'll deal with in L.A., even though I know it's a dome. And then, yeah, I think, that, you know, at this time of year, especially when your record's not very good, everything kind of becomes kind of like a Groundhog Day scenario every week, right? You're in the same building, you're in the same meeting rooms, you're in the same thing, and it becomes kind of like a, you know, never-ending wheel 
that you just continue to run on. And I think going out there and getting a change of pace can invigorate people. It can energize them and give the guys a chance to be around each other a little bit. Because remember, since training camp, a lot of the guys on this roster have changed. We have some new names, some new faces, you know, get to know those guys, um, try to build some team chemistry. I certainly don't think it's a bad thing, to be quite honest with you. John Schmelk of Giants.com here on Exit 31 ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. John, I, I, I saw an interesting uh, report uh, from CBS Sports' Cody Benjamin that he believes that Saquon Barkley and James Bradbury could be potential trade candidates after this season. I just want to get your opinion. I mean, is it is are we at the point where Saquon Barkley is you know no longer untouchable and he could be somebody that they kind of float out there to see what they could get? I think you take a look at two things. One, as we talked about before, we don't know what the GM situation is going to be. So right. I think that's going to impact that, number one. Number two, look, he's heading into the fifth year of his contract, right? It's, it's going to be his, it's, it's, it's his fifth-year option year. So when you ever get to that last year and you're a running back, usually it turns into, well, do you get an extension? Do you move on from the player? Or do they play out the contract? So I think when you get to that point, everything kind of becomes on the table. You know, not many running backs just agree to play out that fifth year on their contract, on their fifth-year option. So, I don't know what Saquon's thinking about that either. So, look, I, I, when a guy's getting to the end of his contract for any player, I, I wouldn't necessarily rule anything out. And it's the same for James Bradbury, right? He's entering the last year of his contract, too. And I think it depends what kind of posture the Giants are in next year. Are they in a go-for-the-playoffs posture? Are they in a rebuild posture? I think that'll determine how they handle, you know, some of those veterans on the roster. I don't think they would trade either one of the players because they're unhappy with them, but they don't like them. I think they value both those players. They love both guys as leaders, as football players, and they value them and they think very highly of them. But then you get into contracts, economics, contract length, rebuild, you know, all that sort of stuff, which brings other things into consideration. John, uh, before we go any further, I've got one last question for you, but I want you to preface that with the shameless plug. Tell all the Giants fans where to find all of your outstanding yeah. content. No, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, you can go check it out. Uh, Giants Podcast Network. Big will kick off live our daily call-in show, 1230 to 1.30 every weekday afternoon, and then it's up on podcast form along with the Giants Huddle Podcast. We'll have our game preview posting in a couple hours. Bob uh, Topic talks to Joe Judge. I'm with Julian Love, and then Matt Money Smith from the NFL Network, along with uh, the Chargers play-by-play voice. We'll do a big Giants-Chargers preview. So you guys should go out there and, uh, and check that out. If you're a Knicks fan out there, too, go check out the Bank Shot Knicks podcast, which is uh, via WFN as well. Oh, yeah. I love oh, I right. love, yeah. I love your analysis of the Knicks, too, that's for sure. So my last question is, Giants fans being frustrated, Jason Garrett removed from the offensive coordinator position. Now it's Freddie Kitchens. Uh, take yeah, a shot. But yeah, but by the way, shocking that didn't solve all the problems. Oh, you know, I, know. That, I didn't warn anybody about that or anything. Shocking. And that's where I want you to go with this. Take us through this transition from Garrett to <laughs> Kitchens. But yet the, the head coach and the players are still the same. So go ahead. Yeah, I mean, guys, look, offensive systems are offensive systems. Can changing the system and, and things like that, you know, change things on the margin? Sure. Um, they, you can't overhaul your entire offensive system this late in the year. So you can change play call patterns, personnel patterns, you know, what plays you like in certain situations, make some tweaks here or there. And again, that can make differences on the margins. This goes back to the question you guys asked me about the coach, right? Do you guys feel like the Giants issues this year are things that are just on the margins? I think we all think they're kind of deeper than that, right? Not like, well, one little tweak here, one little tweak there. I think all the problems are going to be solved and everything is going to be fine. I don't think that's where we're at with the team that's 4-8. and eight. 
So, yeah, you can, you know, change a few things here or there, you know, target your playmakers more, run a couple of different calls on third downs, utilize your personnel a little bit differently. That's fine. And could that help a little bit? Sure. But for the people that thought that would usher in some grand turnaround and turn an offense that's ranked 26th in the league and turn them into an offense that's ranked 8th in the league, I always thought that was kind of silly and foolhardy. I don't care what scheme you're running. If you can't pass protect and you can't run block, it's going to be very hard for your offense to function. That's right. And that's kind of where the Giants are right now. I mean, let's be honest. I've said it numerous times as a Giants fan, and anytime we discuss them, John, and this goes back years now, a number of seasons, you should have at some point gone all in on fixing this offensive line, and that would have helped. And that's the foundation to rebuild this team, but it hasn't been done. In fairness, fairness, I, I, I think they tried to. They just, it just didn't work. For sure, for sure. (laughs) That's just kind of the way it went. No, absolutely. John, we appreciate you. We're going to talk to you. Uh, Are we talking to him next Friday or are we... Are we in the holiday? Uh, yeah, no, we, we should be good. I think we're good next Friday, and then it's the following one we're dealing with awesome. the Christmas stuff. Awesome. 315 next Friday. John Schmelk, Giants.com will join us. Appreciate you. Have a great weekend, John. Hey, you too, fellas. If you guys are in holiday mode on December 17th, I want to get on your schedule. That sounds fantastic. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, wait, what's the date today? Oh, yeah, it's only December 10th. <laughs> I was so engrossed in the conversation with him, my man. Appreciate you. That's John Schmelk. Exit, right, 30, yep, exit 31, ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. Let's kerfuffle next. We've added one, though. Make it, take it. Something to perhaps add a little luster or more juice back into the Syracuse-Georgetown rivalry. Wayne in the truck called. We want to have that discussion, then the rest of our kerfuffle next. Who's got Twitter beef? Bulletin board material. We've got another Donnybrook, an athletic brouhaha. Let's go toe-to-toe. It's the Exit 31 kerfuffle. Ah, a classic conundrum. This is Exit 31. Here is Rain and WKTV Sports Director Spencer Davidson on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. I'm pleased with Sean Tucker's performance. It was yesterday, second team All-America honors by Walter Camp by the Walter Camp Football Foundation. Uh, it's first one to get that recognition since Floyd Little in 66, 1496. It was how many yards he ran for? Won the ACC title this year, leading rusher in the conference. Uh, and then he added the All-American honors, um, of course, uh, that is now happened announced today on the first. It was second team for the Walter Camp Board. It was uh, first team today uh, that he got. So he got another one. And there you go from the Football Writers Association of America. That came out. He is a legend. He's making thirty four a legendary number. See the guy that has the all time season leading rushing total wore thirty four, not forty four. <laughs> That's gonna fire some people up. I may have said that on purpose. Uh, talk amongst yourselves. I'll give you a topic. Actually, there's another one brought up to us as we kerfuffle here on Exit 31 ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Let's get this started with the one that we added in from about 15 minutes ago. We got a call during a commercial break. You might have heard it, heard the conversation, QSportsTalk.com. But Wayne in the truck says, I got an idea to add a little bit of juice based on the conversation we had at the top of the hour with Bobby Bancroft, who went behind enemy lines with us with CasualHoya.com, where we're like, how do we, because he told you, you know, Georgetown, their home games, they're not drawing a crowd. Right. Syracuse coming in tomorrow is going to bring them, what do you say, 13,000? Well, Wayne's idea was, 
And I'm going to let Spencer explain this. It's the make it, take it philosophy with this. We start out where? MSG, and then where do we go? Yeah, yeah. We start out, he he, he suggested a like a 10-year contract mm-hmm. where the location of the game was basically up for grabs. Like Rain just mentioned, you'd start off the first year, game in a neutral site, Madison Square Garden, bright lights, big city, obviously a lot of classic G-Town Cuse games at that building. Then the winner of that game gets to host the game next year and so on and so forth. So example, Syracuse wins at the Garden. The game's at the Dome that following year. Cuse wins again at the Dome that following year. They get to host the next year. Georgetown wins the next year. They get to host the following year and so on and so forth. So basically, you win, you get to host. We appreciate you guys that call in. We appreciate everybody with the comments in the chat at QSportsTalk.com. So we've... Listen, we've got to give credit to Katie today for the outstanding Georgetown. Big ups, big ups. The poem that we read off the top. we got to give credit to Wayne and the truck for an outstanding idea. Does that add juice nationally? Because we talked about maybe the polish is off a little bit. There's not as much luster on the rivalry as there used to be from the Big East days. Still means a lot to the Hoyas and the Orange fan bases. But nationally, maybe not so much. Because years ago, it was a big deal. Yeah. And, and I agree don't don't schedule the game during football season. Move that to January. Agreed. Move that to February if you're going to play once a year in this in this home and home type of situation. I also think that, and 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 this might be a silly little thing, but I, like come up with like some sort of trophy, you know, for for us for that series where. Hey wait wait hey, hey I'm going to be our owner, okay. the owner of Galaxy All right. Media, All right. uh, Mr. Krabs, like we call him. Oh, uh, y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm going to be him. Yeah. Hey, hey guys, yeah, we got the Galaxy Cup now for the crunch in the comments for the Uticus and the three way throw on and all that yeah. stuff you guys do. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, you know, of course, we broadcast all their games uh, in K-Rock and Utica and right here on ESPN Radio in Syracuse. We should do that. Yeah, that's a good idea. There's three guys from Utica. All right, listen. Boss lady, I'm going to have you come up with uh, a, a trophy for that. That's a good idea. Yeah, and that's, it's so funny. because Mr. Krabs, get on this. Call up Ewing. Have Jim call him. Let's get a trophy. Yeah. Let's do this. Make, or ta- make it or take it. Yeah. I mean, I, what's so funny because I Let's actually, break I, the internet. I just Let's go. At, I just looked at the QSportsTalk.com chat and TC1978 uh, said need a trophy to play for, and I, I hadn't even noticed that when I when I was thinking of it. But um, but yeah, I, I just think you know you have that thing where there is something at stake. You have hardware that you can display for the, for that the rest of that year until the next matchup, and then whoever wins gets to keep the trophy. I just think that helps the rivalry. Also, idea that I had too, play like play an outdoor game. Ooh. How cool would that be? Can you imagine like in January? Yeah, we, okay, so play it. So play it in like on the the intrepid. In in New York City or something you're, like that. You're looking for another one of those uh, on an aircraft carrier type. Yeah, you remember how the wind cool in that, that yeah. when they did that? And how, how cool would that be though? A little outdoor game. I'm I'm really intrigued by this. You know, I mean, a lot of times we all throw out these ideas that we have how to make this better or that better, and you're like, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of moving parts with that. With this, this is something that I think it could work. Yeah. Think about that. You win year after year. Let's get five, six. You get. I mean, one team's dominating the other. I mean, it's great if it's the orange, but think about this, the flip side of that. What if it is Georgetown? Right right now, it doesn't seem that way because they're struggling. So are we, but they're struggling a little bit worse. Very interesting. But as I saw earlier, QSportsTalk.com in the chat, when these two teams play, doesn't matter one's in the ACC and one's in the Big East. We all know this. It's still a huge rivalry to at least our fan bases. We care about this. I scream at the TV when I watch Syracuse play basketball, but it is next level for me when it's Georgetown. It, it, it literally is. This is a December game, right? 
It's a non-conference game. Yep. But I'm going to be screaming at it like we're looking at the tournament in March. Mm-hmm. That's literally what's going to happen. I will be swearing oh, yeah. and screaming and apologizing to my son for my potty mouth and everything else. Oh, yeah. It's, 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 like, it's like spring training between the Yankees and Red Sox, even though that doesn't matter at that time still. I never want to see the Red Sox beat the Yankees. Uh, so I actually care a little bit. MRI 901 played at Rucker Park. Ooh, could you oh, imagine the man. environment for that? Remember That's Katie a great went? idea. Yeah. Kate, what, he dropped like 50 there or something like that? And that was like early on in his career, wasn't it? Yeah, he was just showing off. All right, we kerfuffle. It's Exit 31, ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. We put out there, talk amongst yourselves, uh, discuss on social media. Did you see what Shaquille O'Neal said about the Lakers? Hey. Say, hey, I'm not going... Hey. I ain't going to no Lakers games. They're shocking the fool. I don't celebrate seventh-place teams. I'd rather watch Steph Curry. Ouch. Ouch. I I mean, I I would rather watch Steph Curry, too. (laughs) Shaq doesn't care. I don't care about the three straight wins, the three-peat when I was a Laker. I don't care about that at all. Right now, I'd rather watch Steph Curry. Me, too. I would, too. Yep. Can you... You think that's going to bother LeBron and and the Lakers, that he said that? He says some stuff. I mean, Shaq says some stuff. I, uh, I I don't think it's going to matter because I think I, I, early in his career, I think LeBron James had softer skin. I think he would have been, you know, he, he was a little bit more like Kevin Durant where things got to him and he would kind of speak out uh, about things that were said. Uh, but I, I don't think he cares at this point I don't, because because he's got he's got to focus on, on what the Lakers have going on and writing the ship there. I don't think he cares if Shaq watches or not. I think it's funny. <laughs> it's, it's it's hilarious. It's hilarious. But at the same time, I also feel like and 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 if I'm wrong, you know, tell tell me I'm wrong. But I feel like today's NBA players, you know, like some of them are they're so good and they make so much money, whatever. Like I feel like there's a little bit of a lack of respect for some of the guys that came before them. Like I feel like some guys think that because they're in the NBA now, you know, oh shit, someone like Shaq is old news, and and I just kind of get that sense. There's a lot of there's a lot of back and forth between old NBA players and new NBA players about who would win in which era and well, whatever. Teams don't stay together. There's no loyalty to teams or right. anything like that. It's all about, you know, basically your own brand now. Uh, but, you know, I have to bring this up, and I'm probably going to make everybody start getting ads for this on their phone. <laughs> but along the lines with Shaq, I just want you to also know this. Shaquille O'Neal can make your Alexa experience fun. No way. I mean, first of all, you can listen to ESPN Radio in Central New York with your Amazon Alexa device. Just enable the skill. I know many do that. But you can literally just ask Shaq. Try it out. You say, Alexa, introduce me to Shaq. Can you unmute? Do we have that Alexa still in here? Yeah. Yeah, but can we do this on air? Not on air. You want to do this at QSportsTalk.com? That's correct, yeah. But why? Because we're running out of time. Oh, all right. Clock clock management. That's a good reason. We're going to have to do that really quick during the next break. You can literally do that. You can just ask Shaq. The guy is absolutely amazing. Here's the last thing I'll throw out, and I know we got to take the break. Jason Garrett rumored to possibly be the coach at Duke. Saw that. Did you see that? I saw that. Uh, I say you can have him, but then I think about this. Wait a minute. What if he goes there, turns the program around, and they demolish Syracuse? And then, of course, we know Dino Babers is coming back. But what if he wasn't and Jason Garrett was out there? And then do you look at him to be the coach at Syracuse? Would you want him? I don't think so. Oh, I don't think I'd want him. I, I think you're better served to put it. It, it ultimately won't go well. No. It's not going to go according to plan. Duke, you can have him. I think I'll leave it at that. If you disagree, let us know. QSportsTalk.com, Exit 31, ESPN Radio. Right back with the last thing we'll say today, and we're about to activate Shaq. 
This is Exit 31. Here is Rain Stradamus and Nostra Davidson on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Here's the last thing we'll say today. Uh, clearly, we appreciate everybody that listens on ESPN Radio across Central New York, Syracuse, Oswego, Utica, Roman, all, all of that. Don't get me wrong, but we invite you to join us on QSportsTalk.com. Man, it, there's just so much extra content that you can get. You got the Devo show Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 10. You got the Q&As, the free throw show. You got the Q&As. You heard a couple of them last night with Joe Girard and Coach Bayheim. There's more on the way next week. Uh, but I, I don't want to overwhelm you with all of this, but I wanted to put out, you know, goat talk. I mean, that's that's the uh, Thursday Q&As that you heard last night. It's good stuff. But there's also the watch parties. Uh, this weekend, as in tomorrow, at halftime, you've got Rosie, and he's going to be joining, as you may have seen, if you're with us at QSportsTalk.com right now, Tommy Hogan, Tommy Gunn, Hogan brother, and Jacob Payne. They're going to be watching the game. Rosie jumps in and joins at halftime, and that's going to be an outstanding watch and listen and a lot of fun if you're a Syracuse fan. We win in this game. Oh, I'm sorry, you were going to say something. Well, I, I was going to say also if you're on QSportsTalk.com, during the commercial break, you're able to hear us talking to Shaq on the Alexa. Yeah, we did. <laughs> we, then we found out you had to pay. Yeah. There's a paywall. It's a paywall. At but least we, we got to hear a couple of little things. We heard enough. We also found out. I did not realize you could get Samuel L. Jackson. That, uh, oh, that's a, that's going to be a great one. That should be. There's got to be a, a bunch of others. I've got to investigate this further. But when I saw that with Shaq the other day, I was like, my Lanta. And, man, just me saying that, if your phone's nearby, a lot of people are going to start getting ads for this. I want to know if people are getting ads for this. I'm at ESPN yeah. Rain on social media. Uh, let me know. Any any last thoughts before we turn it over to Brent? We got to get they him got, on the block. Alexa's got to get Bill Walton. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow, that'd be that, demented. Yep. You're on the block with Brent Axe. Enjoy the rest of your Friday. Exit 31, ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Let me just close with this. Rest in peace, Demarius Thomas. Yes.